Welcome to uh, Spotlight on Science. My name is Franklin Lewis. I'm a writer with the Daily Emeralds. Uh, I'm joined by my co-host this week. Becky Hogue, and I'm also a writer for the Daily Emerald. Now, apologies, I've been pretty busy with a lot of work lately, so I have been out of the office, so to speak. Uh, but Becky's been holding it down. Um, There's going to be a really good interview with her um, and, and a special guest, uh, TVD, uh, although I'm sure that'll be out by the time this podcast comes. Yeah. <laughs> it's Renee Dobray, and she uh, was one of the speakers for the TEDxU Oregon. Um, and she talks about the practical implications of 3D printing. And we have one story today that kind of goes into this article or into that train of thought. Um, we're doing great stuff, uh, great content on the emeralds, uh, besides just the science stuff, too. So um, we have a ton. Of, we've been kind of away from the booth. So obviously a ton of stuff is, of course, the, you know, the week we're away, all this stuff happens. <laughs> Yeah, seriously. Um, we're kind of just kind of do like quick hitters on a lot of the big topics. Um, I think obviously there's the black hole photo that everyone's freaked out over. Um, there is a 3D printed heart um, f- that some uh, uh, scientists in Israel created that was pretty cool to talk about. Um, we have a robotic tail that could help space travelers. I think Becky's going to tell us more about that. Um, and then we also have um, a new Twitter account that's quote tweeting uh, shoddy science reporting and saying it's pointing out when stories are. We'll get into it later. It'll all be explained. <laughs> but um, let's start off with probably the biggest story, which was the black hole photo. Um, I think. I'm not going to say it was anticlimactic, but it was definitely, I think, not maybe what people were expecting. But I think it's more, we have to focus on the actual event of it even happening. The fact that anyone was even was able to take a photo of a black hole is incredible. And if you actually read up on some of those articles, um, the actual process it took is quite substantial. Um, Becky, what was your first reaction when you either heard about this story not even seeing the photo, um, or maybe when you saw the photo, what was kind of your first, like, what were you struck with? Well, I, I'd like to say that you were actually the first person that told me about it, and then literally the day after, like, shit hit the fan. Everybody was yeah. talking about it. So, go you for breaking news. I mean, it was, was only to me and Ryan, but, you know, it was I something. I think Michael Tobin actually might have sent it to me, so Mike... He might get credit first. <laughs> Tobin is the one who's like deep into the Twitter archives here. So anyway, but go ahead. Yeah, but the first the first impression I got was, well, obviously, like, this is amazing. It's kind of like seeing nothingness for the first time. Yeah. <laughs> like, it's it's almost appreciating white space, but like black space in this case. Yeah. Um, the picture itself, not terribly impressive. I won't print it out and put it on my wall, but the way that it was created is just astonishing. Yeah, I mean, I think the fact that they used, they had used basically, I think it was over eight different satellites from what I was reading, um, all over the world. They all had yeah. to point them simultaneously at this one black hole, um, which was you know many galaxies away. It wasn't like we're taking the closest one we could. And they actually did some, they explained that as, you can't, the closer you are, actually, the harder it is sometimes to take because if you think about it, we are, you know, rotating around the sun. And if we are kind of constantly rotating, 
it's hard to take something that's in our galaxy because if we're constantly moving relative to the black hole, it's going to be harder to take it versus something really far away. Generally, if it's going to kind of stay in the same spot. Um, there's, or, I mean, it's not staying in the same spot, but there's the rel- relatively to the one closer to us it is. Mm-hmm. Um, so that was pretty interesting. I also heard that they, the photos that they were taking of these individual satellites that they had to piece together, it's not like you can just email those photos over. Uh, they, and I'm not, I'm not sure how legit this is, but I've heard that they had to actually, like, physically fly the like data, what like what I not floppy disks, but like whatever they were storing these on <laughs> USB, probably something uh, like that. <laughs> I mean, but I don't think they can even fit on USB drive because these things were like. Uh, like terabytes large or something. Wow. So um, they had to like fly them over like with a plane to this like central laboratory that they were compiling them all together, which is like, that's like some sci-fi stuff right there. Yeah. Some, like, you know, Avengers movie stuff. It's like they're going to fly all this stuff. <laughs> so. What I always find interesting about space photos is that you're literally looking at history. So you're not like, we're not seeing this black hole in right. present. Yeah. We're seeing light that has been that has taken years to come all the way to earth then hitting our satellites and we are taking a snapshot of something that could have happened thousands of years ago which is mind-boggling like that's just insane that we can do that and that that is what's happening i mean when you're looking at a star out there you are looking at the history of the star not the present of the star that's so weird And that's the, you know, that obviously gets into the whole, like, space is time, uh, you know, that stuff is really interesting to... Wormhole, yeah, yeah, Star Trek. Wormhole of stuff you can go down to. So yeah. YouTube videos on that. Yeah, I was just looking here, the, the, the Virgo A black hole, which is the one they took the photo of, um, it's estimated to be 6.5 billion times the mass of our sun, um, which is, to put it in perspective of Earth, or sorry, to put it, yeah, to put it in perspective of the Earth, the sun is 330,000 times the... 330,000... Wait. <laughs> 330,000, right? Yes, okay. 330,000. To put it in perspective of the Earth, the sun is 330... 100, why can't I say this? I don't know. Uh, to put it in perspective of the Earth, the sun is 330,000 times the size of Earth. Exactly. <laughs> He's been in, like, thesis mode for a while, so his yeah. brain's just a yeah. little fried. Give me a, this is, you're going to have to <laughs> Ryan, please uh, edit. Okay. Um, um, and also, one of the other points that I want to make is just um, as kind of a quick relap of what a black hole is is it's basically when a giant star collapses like way bigger than the sun collapses in on itself while it's dying and that actually kind of creates a hole in the in the space i don't i'm trying to think of what the term is yeah he would be awesome i'll shoot him an email but anyway that basically yeah is it's essentially the star is kind of collapsing in on itself yeah. and that it's so massive that it basically as it's collapsing it begins to suck in matter that's around it and it turns itself into this you know 
warped of space-time, essentially. Yeah, and we don't know where any of that goes. Right. It could go to another dimension. It could just, like, get completely demolished. We we have no idea where it goes. So, the mysteries of space. Um, Speaking of space, I think this might be a good time to talk a little bit about your robotic tail story that you found. Um, And I'm going to let you kind of just, like, ISO on this, because I think this is like super interesting to hear you talk about it. So. Well, okay, so basically they're the scientists who, in order to work on um, dealing with the weightlessness of being in space and the mobility of being in space, created an artificial intelligence uh, tail that connects onto a suit in order to help astronauts th- with movement <laughs> in space. Uh, I don't know how else to describe it. That's just... It's just such a, like, funky, like, solution to a problem. But it's, it's in a way, it's it's um, it's elegant. Like, um, I mean, we, I've always, you know, as I said on our Slack channel, I always th- thought, I constantly think about if we had tails. Because how that would, you know, you know, change, like, what our clothing we would wear. Like, what would we do with our tails? Is it, or would tails be kind of like an accessory item where you could, like, you know, mm-hmm. put stuff on them? Like, I, 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 wouldn't it be fun to have, like, a little tail you could just have, like, you know, throw it around, like, a little extra stability in the morning? Like, oh, I, I'm thinking, you know, kind of a little sleepy and you can just kind of, you know, keep get your tail a little bit up or whatever. You'll have to ask cats how it is. Yeah. <laughs> Well, you're 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 making this something that's kind of like a monkey tail because monkeys t- can actually like do stuff with their tails. Right. Cats really can't. No, you know, it's more. Yeah, I, I mean, I wonder. I mean, what the per- the purpose of a cat's tail is essentially what to like s- kind of spray their like pheromones around a bit, right? I mean, there's not much. Like I've never heard any research about like what the, their tail is specifically for, because it's obviously not using it to climb. So. Um, mm-hmm another expert in on that it it helps i think with um with uh uh well i know when they're falling like the tail helps them turn around like stability when they're trying to run down their prey or something yeah but anyways we're getting off track uh we will link the um the article below if you want to learn more about the um space tail (laughs) Get it with T A L E or T A I L. The tail of the tail. The tail of the tail. Um, another story we found um, that was going around news lately, especially as of today when we're recording this on Wednesday, is uh, there's a 3D printed heart, really the first of its kind, um, by some scientists. Um, it's a miniature heart, so don't. Don't go crazy yet because it's it's not like you could put this into a person yet. You probably couldn't even put this to a, a mouse yet. No, you can put it. It's the size of a rabbit. Size of a rabbit. A rabbit's heart. Like, rabbit's heart, not rabbit. Right, right. But it's not like, I don't think, from my interpretation of hearing about this, I don't think they could use it in a, like, an organism yet. It's like they're as, like, it's like the, they got the cells to beat they have veins in it, but I think they have to figure out how to then, like, integrate that into... Because there's all, you know, the antibodies, they have to make sure those match. It's just like another organ transplant. Well, actually, no. So, um, the way that they did it is they actually used the organisms, like, 
blood and their DNA. So it actually is a biological match to the to the organism. So the antibodies won't reject that organ if it's transplanted. And they said that in the next year or no, I think in a month or two, they're going to actually try to put it in the organism because, yeah, because, um, yeah, right. And they said that they needed to wait a little longer for the cells to fully mature. And then it actually will be able to work, which would be crazy. And I think too, I mean, we could have um, some people from the night campus come back and talk about that because that's obviously right up their alley in terms of regenerating tissue and 3D printing tissue. Um, There's some really fascinating stuff that goes along with that. And again, it's kind of one of those like unknown frontiers. It's like, well, if you look at it, like the potential is almost endless. Um, But I think... I think some people are skeptical because it's kind of like the stem cell debate that kind of happened a few years ago when people like kind of first really figured out stem cells and like, wow, these cells, you can make them do anything. This is endless. We're going to cure all these diseases. And it turns out like, well, there's actually a lot of stuff that goes into stem cells and there's a lot of different factors you have to do to, you know, differentiate them. And it's really not that easy to just kind of cure all these things. They're not like a silver bullet, but 3d printing is kind of in that same stage where it's like, well, if we're able to like print these organs and you can just like, churn them out like you could just have you would do the whole like organ transplant thing would be a thing of the past so yeah um it's really exciting to see um and again this is kind of like the first step obviously so you know a lot of science is either like creating the first thing and then just perfecting it over time to a point that's actually you know applicable to like you know, the rest of the public. So, uh, like, the first computers, for example, were the size of this podcast studio. And then, the, you know, the uh, innovation is just making it smaller and smaller and smaller while keeping its, um, the you know, the same robusticity of it. So Yeah, I think it's really interesting that they chose to do the heart. I'm wondering if it's because other organs have already been, like kind of grown in the lab and stuff so heart would be kind of different but heart is like one of the most difficult organs that they could have chosen to do so that kind of gives me hope that it is something that could really change the industry and also that instead of having to worry about um changing people's abilities or anything like that it's really just a new method of transplantation that has less um side effects potentially because it's created by the human themselves like it's created through their personalized um cells so but i don't know that that's i just thought that was really cool yeah i I think the other thing with the heart too um which maybe they were thinking about is that it actually, you know, the heart has like electrical signals going to it. And that's what keeps it's um, the heart, your heartbeat going essentially is these kind of electrical signals. Um, so maybe that was kind of their advantage. They could say, Oh, we can kind of just like, once we have the thing, we could just kind of jump start it in a way versus like other organs that are kind of, they're just kind of growing in general. Like if maybe you don't, I guess you don't need like an electrical like jump start, but, how would you ever know? How would you ever know to like kind of turn on an organ or something? So, yeah, I don't know. Anyway, it's a, it's a really fascinating um, topic, and it's really um, it's gonna be really exciting to see where this ends up. Um, mm-hmm. How are we doing on time, by the way? It has been sixteen minutes. Oh, okay. Yeah. This is good. Um, 
So. What is the other one? I think we had most of this already. Oh, I had the, like, um, the Twitter account thing I could do a little bit on. Oh, wait. Uh, right. So the next we're going to talk about um, kind of goes into back to what you were talking about with Tails, but also, like, I don't know. I was trying to make a good transition. It's not really there. But you know, there transitions are overrated. Just, you know, okay. it's the next topic. The next the topic. Bit. The next cool science adventure that occurred when Frankie was busy. Um, her uh, bones were discovered oh, on an yes. island oh. in uh, the Philippines. And it actually could be a new human species. And this was super interesting because... I mean, for one, that would change completely, like, everything a little bit, mostly, yeah. and not completely. Well, okay, so basically um, what they found is they found this kind of smaller version of a uh, humanoid, I guess you could say. Uh, it was obviously before we are the way we are now, um, so a developmental stage that was small and um seems like it would be good for like climbing trees or something like that it uh but it definitely had like different parts that were more uh advanced so that's how they came to the conclusion that it would be something that is actually part of the human evolution because what were some of the things that were advanced i think like the teeth were more advanced um it's been a while since I read this. Well, I know, I mean, I don't know as the specifics, again, of the actual bones they found and how they were, they were able to determine that it was a new species. I do know, though, that it's, um, they found it in a, in a place that's very similar to where they found the last kind of what they nicknamed the Hobbit, which was Homo florensis, florensensis. <laughs> that's pronunciation 101 right there. Uh, <laughs> Did you take medical terminology? <laughs> then that is why. Yeah, exactly. Um, so, but anyway, there's a lot of these um, hobbits, hobbit species that are, um, this is the second kind of hobbit species that has been discovered in, in the Philippines area, um, Southeast Asia area. And I love this quote in the, this is in the initial Washington Post article uh, from Rick Potts, who's the director of the smithsonian's human origins program um the evolution of our evolutionary group homo is getting weirder and weirder <laughs> yes that shows that humans are even stranger than we originally yeah. thought like we can't judge other, other things when we are just strange yeah um and it was dated to be uh 67 000 years old which is so it's interesting too. I always think this is interesting, like especially with archaeology, this happens a lot. Where, for like the way when they publish, the way they publish versus other, um, other fields, they'll publish like this. The actual initial publication was in two thousand ten. They published a description of this foot bone, and they knew it was this the oldest human remain, but they didn't really they didn't really know the full extent of what they had found, essentially. Uh, and then they basically, like, returned to the cave later, kind of were able to, like, figure this out. Um, and I think they returned in 2015, or 20, they returned in 2011 and 2015. Um, they pulled, 
couple more fossilized parts um, and they kind of realize like, oh, like the hands are kind of curved, the feet have this, you know, uh, characteristic curve of a, a bipedal animal. Um, the digits were more used to like, run, the digits were more suited for running or upright movement. Um, and then a lot of this time, as you mentioned before, is tooth shape is one of the biggest things. So if you look at the tooth shape of a lot of these early primates and early home, uh, early human species, um, the tooth shape is a huge giveaway because if it's they're super flat, that means like oh, okay, this is like more primitive. They're just eating grass the whole time. Or if there's kind of this mix of of canine, um, more carnivore-like teeth and um, uh, more herbivore-like teeth. So. Um, that was a big find too. Yeah, and also another reason why they wait so long to really make this open to the public is because if you find something like this out as an archi- uh, architecture, if if you find yeah. if you find this thing out as an archaeologist, you are making your career. That's it. Yeah. Like that is it. There is no going back. But if you're wrong, you are breaking your career. Like, this is a really big deal. So they had to make sure, like, really sure that they were right on this before they went to the public with it. Great point. Great point. Um, well, I think it, um, it now might be time for Chits and Giggles segment. I think we're ready. Okay. Chits and Giggles. Here we, we go. a little fun... Um, Ryan, we can work on this, but a fun little, like, like you know, like, shows do, like, a little, like, yeah, like, yeah, shits and giggles, here we go. We need a jingle for it, is that what we need? Okay, yeah. anyway, shits and giggles segment, um, I'm going to try to read off some of these black hole memes, because um, obviously that's the huge takeaway from the black hole story, is that, um, uh, you know, it, they literally created an entire meme culture from it. <laughs> Um, so I had, there's one, uh, do you know the, um, the, uh, one where it's, uh, John Travolta and Steven, uh, 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 oh, God, I don't know why I'm blanking on the name, but the, the serious gourmet shit meme, you know that one? <laughs> yeah. It's like, light exists, black holes, this is some serious gourmet shit. <laughs> <laughs> all right, all right, um, what else you got? It, <laughs> Oh, I had to turn on it. Sorry, I had to turn on the airplane mode, so I was off internet. Hang on. Oh yeah, <laughs> when you're literally the most powerful and destructive entity in the known universe, but some weird apps or some weird no, apps, some weird apes make you into a meme. <laughs> the captain <laughs> then is cries and then cries in gravity. <laughs> uh, <laughs> Instantines after pulling up the black hole image as their story. <laughs> You know, I'm something of a scientist myself. <laughs> like, do those people who did the, uh, they, like, put, you know, the, like, the... Pikachu, oh, yeah. Like, they put then, like, the black hole in, like, the Pikachu face, and it kind of, like, it kind of looks like him. <laughs> it's like, I don't give off visible light. You, could, you literally can't take pictures of me. Like, some intelligent thing on a rock. That's it anyway. <laughs> black holes. Are, oh, what? <laughs> anyway, that was a few. Go look them up. There's a whole hashtag on Instagram. Um, they're hilarious. If you need breaks from your midterms, this yeah. is the way to do it. There's also, I don't know if you saw the girl with the, uh, um, I, don't, I, I actually don't understand this. Maybe you can explain this. The girl who, like, 
sips the Starbucks like tea thing and then does like the like thing on her phone. Have you seen that? No. Maybe I'm too deep into. Maybe I should get off Instagram for a bit. I think. Too deep into it, I think but. I'm not basic enough to know this. I mean, my name is Becky, so I understand, <laughs> but. <laughs> yeah, I, that, that would, I don't want to go down that. Yeah. Anyway, there's one of the yeah the girl with the Starbucks tea, and then like as her mouth opens, it's just like the black hole that <laughs> sucks everything in. Anyway, they're, I, they're really funny. So great job, Internet. Internet is remains undefeated is the end moral of the story. And Internet is also Frankie's, like, metaphorical black hole. <laughs> well, I think that's all the time we have. Um, I have a thesis meeting I have to get to. Becky has, I'm sure, some crazy, crazy, you know, fish or maybe some, like, what? journalism. I was just I biology. I have work at the... Uh, journalism communication center. Okay. That's not <laughs> no, I'm writing a staff profile. Yeah, but I will say that I am currently sipping on some Jamba, and I am doing so in a reusable cup, which you can find at the Student Sustainability Center. No, they are not funding me. I just think that this is really cool. They also have. But if they want to cut a check, absolutely. Yeah, I'm sure they have the funds for that. Um, but yeah, so they actually have a lot of different um, mugs and cups of for several different beverages that you can rent out and then you can get your wonderful beverage from wherever in the EMU and then return it and you don't even have to wash it. So highly recommend uh, because it just saves the planet a little bit. Wow, just unsolicited drive-by plug there. Becky, just this is the eco moment. Sustainability Center is just absolutely over the moon that they're mentioned right now. Oh yeah, oh yeah. Well, anyway, check them out. Um, check all these stories out, um, and we'll be back with the latest and greatest uh, next week, hopefully, provided there's time. Don't sue me. I've got work to do. So, um, I'll be here for you. And Becky will be here. <laughs> I will hopefully be here. Um, uh, with that said, uh, I'm Frankie Lewis. And I'm Becky Hogue. And-